Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor. Welcome to Ashling's America. It's me, Ashling, and this is a weekly glimpse into America through my very English-tinted glasses. Something I've enjoyed doing here in New York is going to visit the small art galleries that are hidden away in the high-rise buildings of Manhattan. Without looking it up online beforehand or having someone with you to know where to go, you would have no idea that up in the buildings around you are countless art collections, some owned by very well-known art collectors, for those in the know, which I am not. But the lack of indication that they are there definitely adds to the novelty of visiting them. A few of the ones I've been to were actually in apartment buildings, and so it felt really weird silently walking past the doorman and sliding into the lift. But I guess there's no reason that people can't turn floors or multiple rooms of apartments into studio space. Others are on the ground floor, but despite the art being visible through the window, I wouldn't have known you could just walk into them and take a look around if I hadn't had someone to tag along with. You can go to see these collections for free, which is great if you've already given the Met, the Guggenheim and the Whitney a visit and haven't got your cultural fill yet. There is often an information sheet by the door as you go in to tell you a bit about the artist, which is helpful, and they are often very quiet since not many people know about them. Apparently there is an app though which tells you which galleries are opening, when and where, which means you can pop in for the opening where they often serve free wine. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to do this yet, but I'd love to attend one of these events in the future, just for the experience, and of course, the free wine. On a different note, it's odd to think that something as everyday and ordinary as doing your laundry can be different in the US compared to the UK. In New York specifically, it is very rare for an apartment to have its own washing machine and tumble dryer, and although some apartment buildings have a washing machine and tumble dryer in their basement, mine does not. And so I have to head down the hill, which means lugging my two bags of very overdue laundry back up the hill on the way home. And I do my washing at the laundrette, or laundromat as they call it across the pond. A lot of people take their laundry in and pay for someone to do it for them and collect it a day or two later. But as an unpaid intern, my time is by definition worthless. And so I feel I can spend an hour or so every other week to do it myself. The only downside to this is that I don't have an iron. This means nabbing my work shirts out of the dryer whilst they're still warm and hanging them on hangers in the hope the creases fall out as I walk home. If once I put them on, though, in the morning, they look a bit on the crumpled side, I warm the shirt up with a hairdryer once it's on and pull at it to straighten it out. So that's a top tip for all you ironless people out there. Now, although the traditional American washing machines you see on TV are top-loading washing machines where you put your clothes in from above, in this laundrette, the washing machines and dryers were front-loading like the ones we are used to in the UK. According to a cursory internet search, front-loading washing machines are more water, energy and detergent efficient than top-loading washing machines, so it makes sense that a business would opt for them. There are two sizes of washing machines in the laundrette, a small one at $4 for half an hour and a large one at $8 for half an hour. This is ideal for me because even after two weeks, if I split up my light and darks, they comfortably fit into two small washing machines. I think there are even two larger sized washing machines at the back, but I don't know anyone who owns enough clothes, towels and sheets to procrastinate doing the laundry long enough to need to use one of those. The dryers, on the other hand, only come in one size, which is huge. 
For those, you pay 45 cents for eight minutes, up to 45 minutes. I normally just throw my laundry in for a quick eight minutes to take most of the water out and then hang the rest up in the apartment to finish drying. After my one test run to see how my clothes would fare after 16 minutes in these dryers, I decided that whatever water the dryer can't remove in those eight minutes, it isn't going to manage to remove it no matter how long I leave them in there. In order to use these machines, you have to purchase a card for $1.75, which you then top up using cash. Once you've selected the setting on the machine you want, you put the card into the machine, pull it out and press start. Thankfully, this means I don't have to go around hunting for pound coins like I did at university, where you needed three pound coins per wash and you would regularly get friends knocking on your door with 250p's looking to trade. Before you start the machine, you open a rubber lid on the top of the machine and pour in your detergent. Although in the UK people use liquid fabric softeners, in my experience most people use washing powder or pods you pop into the drum of the washing machine rather than a liquid laundry detergent. Whereas, in America, it seems much more traditional to use liquid laundry detergent. Unfortunately, this leads to a lot of plastic waste, since only about 30% of America's 1 billion annually discarded plastic liquid detergent bottles are recycled, compared to washing powder, which usually comes in cardboard boxes, which can be much more easily recycled. Although recently, I've seen adverts for detergent strips, which minimise waste further, so that's something I'm keeping my eye out for in the shops. Something that has taken some getting used to living in New York is the lack of curtains or blinds in the apartment I'm living in. I live on the fourth floor, and all you can see out of my two bedroom windows is the whitewashed brick wall of the adjacent building, so maybe that's why. But I think it is quite common for apartments to not have curtains or blinds, even when they look out onto the street. I don't have any answers as to why this is the case, but it's an interesting observation. What I found is it means when I'm lying in bed at night, I can feel the draught from the window blowing onto my face, since there is no curtain to block it. Which is fine on a nice evening, but kind of unpleasant on a cold winter's night. It also means that I sleep with an eye mask on, so that I can sleep in past sunrise. Although, if you're one of those people who likes the idea of being woken up naturally by the sun, then maybe this is a good lifestyle choice for you. On the few occasions I've eaten out at restaurants, I always order tap water, and each time the glass comes inexplicably stuffed full of crushed ice. This is something I've seen on American television shows, and I just don't understand it. Maybe one or two ice cubes to cool the water down makes sense, but the amount of ice, and the fact it's all crushed up, makes the water very difficult and unpleasant to drink as you try to avoid eating the chunks of ice whilst getting at the water, which is so cold it stings your front teeth. So next time, I need to remember to specifically ask for tap water with no ice. Let's see if I remember to do so. Recently, I decided that given the prospect of spending substantially more time than normal at home due to the current global situation, I was going to give in to my inner child and buy a Nintendo Switch. It seems I'm not the only one, since I saw a report the other day saying stocks were running low as everyone had the same idea as me. But anyway, as I'm sure you know, sales tax is different in each state in America. This means that companies can advertise all their products as the same price across the country, but then when you go to the till, the tax for that state is added onto your purchase. This saves the companies money so they don't have to create different adverts for different states, but it does involve you having to do some quick mental maths or just hoping you have enough to cover the cost. Sales tax can be anywhere from 9.52% in Louisiana to places like Delaware and Montana where there is no sales tax. In New York, there is no sales tax on food from supermarkets or clothes and shoes under $110. 
However, on everything else, sales tax in New York City is 8.875%. However, in New Jersey, the state just next to New York, the sales tax is 6.625%. And in Newport in Jersey City, the sales tax is only 3.3125%. This means that if you're buying a big ticket item, it is worth paying for that $5.50 round trip train ticket to hop across to Newport, only takes about an hour, and save yourself a few dollars. Of course, if you value your time, maybe this isn't a saving that appeals to you. But I reiterate, I'm an unpaid intern. And I think with a good podcast or two to keep me occupied, I'm happy to make a two hour or so round trip for the satisfaction of feeling like I've played the system. Based on some very rough calculations and taking into account the train fare, I think I saved myself about $8 in all. It was totally worth it. That's all from me for now. But I look forward to you joining me next week for another glimpse into Ashling's America. See you then. Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor. Oh,